I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Well, it's August 29th, 2018, and we here at the Wong Takes are recording episode number 59. Can't believe it's already uh, that far. We've passed, blown past a year, and we're headed into year two, doing well. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm sounding a little different today. That's because I'm under the weather. Uh, I'm a little sick, and so um, my voice is going to be sounding like this. I'm going to try to keep it down, not yell into the mic. Uh, sorry if that was a jump scare. And uh, and uh, try, try to keep myself sane a little bit. But uh, no, I was like sitting, chilling. It was a great uh, weekend sport, heading into the weekday. Heading into the week, Tuesday, last night, start to get a little, or Monday, I start to get a little tickle in my throat, and I realize this is a sore throat, isn't it? And then sore throat comes and goes, and now I'm sniffly and sound like this. Um, but uh, another little side note, stemming off of that, well, a couple of reasons I didn't record yesterday. One, I had a sore throat, and I didn't want to uh, hurt my mouth get it on fire, uh, as it probably would have been if I had talked for 20, 20, 25 straight minutes. Um, but also, we got a little taste of the pack schedule yesterday. I'll have a pack schedule on Tuesdays for the next, like, 16, 17 weeks. Uh, so you might get a lot of episodes coming to you on a Wednesday. If I really think the schedule sucks, I'll come to you on a Monday. Um, more than likely... Uh, especially considering homework and all that stuff, I'll probably be coming to you on a Wednesday a lot of the time this football season. Um, but uh, anyway, got that out of the way. Um, this may be a shorter episode, maybe not. I mean, I've got some good content ready to go. Uh, we've got a little topic that I may or may not throw in there. Um, that's a little surprise. Maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe a few weeks. Um, but either way, we've got a great show planned, so let's get it underway. Uh, the first thing is actually a developing story we're coming to you regarding uh, this Urban Meyer story and the Ohio State uh, controversy about Zach Smith, a former coach uh, who was accused of committing domestic abuse. And there was a story about how Urban Meyer had possibly heard about these allegations against the coach and didn't fire him until recently. And that has led to an independent, quote-unquote, independent investigation at Ohio State, which came to the determination that Urban Meyer was to be suspended for the first three games of this college football season. Um, I don't like this really at all. I mean, I think with the scope of what had happened in this case, where you had a woman who was, you know, being beaten... Uh, and treated really poorly, and they uh, clearly they suspended Urban Meyer, so they thought there was something he could have done uh, that he chose not to do. And for that type of offense, I mean, you either have to determine that he did nothing wrong and not suspend him at all, or if he did do something wrong, the scope of this case kind of means that you have to suspend him, at least moving into, like, um, difficult conference play, but... Even a full season uh, is something that could have happened. I mean, like, Bounty Gate got, what, Sean Payton the whole year. So, I mean, this is a domestic violence case. I mean, 
the NFL hasn't really taken a strong stand against domestic violence, so to speak. I mean, suspensions of what, like four games, five games, maybe ten games. Um, but the the most that or the college football can really get ahead of this if they want to, um, and really, or and the this Ohio State organization could try to suspend Urban Meyer for a season or even fire him, and I think that would have been the right move. But you know, I mean. Football and winning comes first, unfortunately, in a lot of cases. And this means there isn't really proper justice um, for the victim here, Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's ex-wife. Um, now, Zach Smith is off the team, which is good, but I don't know if the precedent you're really setting, the date, the, the precedent you're setting is that, you know, winning is everything. And we kind of already knew that. Um, but from an organization as big as as influential as Ohio State, I mean, that's the college that a LeBron James backs, who obviously has a sizable fan base. Uh, you want to set an example for the rest of college football and really the rest of sports, saying that we will not tolerate this, even if you cover it up, uh, we will not tolerate this at all. Um, and that's something that I think this in, independent investigation failed to do. Uh, now, as far as the apology that Urban Meyer gave, uh, right after the morning after scandal or the ruling was handed down, uh, he actually never formally apologized to Courtney Smith, uh, saying, "I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think this is pretty close to the actual quote." Saying, when asked about if there's anything he had to say to Courtney Smith, he said, "I'm sorry, we're all in this situation." Uh, and later, a few days later, he would go back and officially apologize to her. I believe it was over Twitter. Um, but that's kind of a bad move. I mean, if you're Urban Meyer, uh, you, you have to know coming in that people are going to ask you to talk to the victim. I mean, he never officially mentioned uh, her name in the first apology press conference. Um, and I think that's one of the first things you have to do. I mean, when he comes out, one of the first things he could say is, uh, first off, I want to apologize to Courtney Smith and all the pain that we as an institution and I personally have indirectly caused to her, and we're sorry, and blah, blah, blah. And that would set a nice tone for the rest of the interview, but instead you get this whole secondary controversy stemming off the initial controversy um, about what he said, and the apology is not enough for some people like Paul Feinbaum uh, and like myself who think that he should have done it at the initial press conference. Uh, now, moving on a little bit from that, there actually is a further development to this case that uh, actually just happened today. Um, and Zach Smith had a the coach who uh, committed domestic violence pretty indisputably at this point. Uh, has gone on a little bit of a Twitter rage saying, uh, for taking a picture of his kids and saying all of these lies are hurting uh, my kids. His words, these precious children, just like their mom has and continues to do, so he's still supporting his narrative. And now his mother, who is the daughter of Earl Bruce, uh, who was Urban Meyer's mentor, so to speak, or is Urban Meyer, was Urban Meyer's mentor before he died this year, um, is also defending her son uh, against Urban Meyer, against the media, and uh, this is according to Yahoo Sports. Uh, Lynn Bruce, or, uh, Zach Smith's mom, uh, says, Urban Meyer would have stood up for Zach if he were, quote, if he were honest, if he had integrity, if you're truly a Christian. So, I mean, look, this obviously, um, based on all the evidence, it appears that Zach Smith did commit domestic violence. Um, and, and to be 
it, this just talks a little bit to the kind of dynamic that what made this case so complicated. I mean, Urban Meyer having to go between perhaps what is right and his mentor and his mentor's daughter and his mentor's grandson. This this whole web of connections just makes the situation uglier and uglier, and this controversy is nowhere near uh, over. And this is going to be going on for at least another few weeks as we start to see the fallout from what Zach Smith did today, um, and we'll probably get a little more investigation into this and really get to the bottom of what happened. Um, maybe someone will confess, I don't know, um, but we will uh, we will see. Moving on to number two, a little bit of an, an enlightening story. Uh, the Little League World Series was played this summer between August 16th and August 26th, ending last er, last Sunday uh, when the team from Honolulu, Hawaii, defeated the team from Seoul, South Korea to go on to win the Little League World Series championship. Now, first of all, this is a great win for the team. Uh, in the last, I believe, in the last seven years, this marks only the second time that a U.S. team has won. Uh, the, the well, one before this being when Maine and well, New York won in 2016, and before that, Huntington Beach, California, in 2011. Uh, this is breaking the streaks of Seoul, South Korea, or South Korea in general, and then t- Japan, specifically the team from Kitasuna in Tokyo. Um, so. This was a phenomenal game, phenomenal team. Hawaii had some studs on the mound. By the way, if you hear the chair squeaking, that's because it's been squeaking the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure why. Um, but anyway, um, they had some stud pitchers. They're, the guy who went in the uh, championship game, he wasn't even their first starter, their number one starter, and he pitched a complete game uh, shutout. And the game before that, their first pitcher, their ace, uh, had also, I believe, thrown a shutout, or maybe one run, I'm not sure, but either way, he won a complete game as well. It's remarkable on Little League, when you have the mound at 46 uh, feet instead of 60 feet 6 inches like you have in Major League Baseball, and I think at college as well, um, it really ex- exemplifies how, or it really magnifies how good pitchers can be, um, because ESPN shows a, during the Little League World Series, shows a MLB pitch speed metric. And what that signifies is, based on the time it took for a ball to get to the plate, uh, how much reaction time they have, what, how fast would a ball have to be in the major leagues for the same player to have that much reaction time. So the result is you get guys throwing the MLB equivalent of 99 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour, uh, when you, when you ha- put them at 46 feet away. And that really allows them to um, really get those fastballs in on hitters um, and then set up breaking balls, which if you're a Little League pitcher with a good breaking ball, I mean, it's basically impossible to hit you um, because people are really timing up the fastball. They're expecting a fastball. Now, we can always talk, the debate about whether uh, Little Leaguers throwing breaking balls is good or bad for their arms is a debate to be had for another time. Um, But at the Little League World Series, we really see uh, taste of what that's like. Now, also, just the Hawaii team winning. First of all, I, I love Hawaii. Uh, my mom uh, grew up there, and it's always great to go back um, just to see the people, feel the environment, go on the beach, um, eat the food. Oh, the food. Um, 
I love seeing Hawaii win personally. But also, Hawaii was going through a pretty uh, tough time, and still is going through a tough time, because of Hurricane Lane or Tropical Storm Lane, uh, which went through Hawaii around the time of uh, the semifinal and the championship game, uh, and a little bit before that and a little bit after that. Uh, and we really saw this team kind of take the reins of Hawaii and really lead them through this. I mean, uh, the manager of Hawaii, Gerald Oda, who ESPN kept featuring throughout, and rightfully so because he's an inspirational speaker in the uh, mold of the Rhode Island coach from a few years ago and an infinite number of coaches that came beforehand. Uh, it's inspiring to say, you guys are represent hope, you guys represent uh, Hawaii, and you guys represent the United States. And and that's something really powerful, and that's just, once again, the power of sports, being able to kind of give people something to escape from. Because in Hawaii, uh, they didn't really have time to evacuate everyone. They were just kind of, everyone's kind of bunkering down and just getting ready for the storm. Um, and speaking of the storm, I mean, it's dumped 52 inches of rain on Hawaii, and there might be more on the way, according to CNN. Uh, so, I mean, it's a very tough time uh, for Hawaii, and those kids... Giving the community, giving the state, just a reason to really hold on to this, um, and and love their their state and their uh, area and their people, uh, was something that was great to see over the course of the week of the Little League World Series and as uh, after that team won and time to come. So we got something a little bit different. I think last year, uh, if I recall correctly, we did something about my fantasy league. Um, But look, fantasy football season is upon us, and my league just er, drafted last Saturday, I believe. And I actually am going to go in and take a deep dive and take a look at these teams and analyze them a little bit. Um, I'm not no, I'm not a fantasy football expert, but I think I know a little bit. And if you are curious about your draft coming up, uh, you can listen to what I'm saying uh, and maybe take take some of that into account. Uh, so let's I'll be referring to teams by their initials um, and just saying straight up what I think. Um, my word is not gospel. I'm just a person who likes fantasy football. So uh, the first team we're going to take a look at is a JGS, and we've got a starting lineup of Russell Wilson, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Adam Thielen, Larry Fitzgerald, Greg Olson, Kenyon Drake, the Panthers, D, and Matt Bryant. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I'm probably not going to do your entire team. I'll just take a look at a couple players that I like I want to highlight. First of all, Saquon Barkley, I think he is a phenomenal player, and I think he's worth the hype. I mean, he's been hyped a ton based on his results at the Combine with a super impressive bench press. Um, and and his pure speed and the ability he showed at Penn State. Um, And I think he'll be able to transfer that into the league. Um, I mean, like, his skill set he has, it doesn't necessarily rely on, obviously running backs rely on their O-line, but he's got a skill set that can work in any system. I mean, he's fast, he has breakaway speed, um, but he's also strong um, and is able to stand up to defenders like not many running backs in this league can. Um, And so I'm really excited uh, about what Saquon will be able to do for the Giants, adding him into the wide receiving core they have. Uh, and I have Odell, so I hope that wide receiving core does does really well. Um, 
Also, Russell Wilson, I think, is going to be a curious case because with the Seahawks defense, as we know it, the Legion of Boom really dismantling with Richard Sherman going to the 49ers, um, and that defense really just isn't the same anymore. I wonder if Russell Wilson is going to have to more often uh, play in not necessarily like 17, 15 games, but maybe like 24 to 30 games. And have to, well, we got a little bit of a taste of that last year where the defense wasn't as good. Um, now he might have to throw more. Um, might have to use his legs more, and that might mean uh, better results for fantasy for fantasy owners. Uh, let's move on. My Wi-Fi is a little slow. Um, actually, it's uh, moving decent at a decent pace. Uh, moving on to NS. Here we go. Uh, Andrew Luck, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Julio Jones, Demarius Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Ravens defense, and Justin Tucker. First of all, Ravens defense and Justin Tucker. I like that combo. Justin Tucker is my boy, uh, even though I didn't pick him this year. Um, he's all reliable, rarely misses, love the guy. Uh, and usually Baltimore has a pretty mediocre offense. It's a great scenario for having a kicker there. Uh, Joe Mixon could be a hit-and-miss guy. Um, he came in with um, domestic violence concerns and just kind of personality concerns. He had a decent year. Um, but I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to perform uh, this year. Also, uh, Leonard Fournette, I think, is a great power back. Um, once again, he, he's kind of a little bit uh, scheme-independent, I would say. Um, he's a strong back. who can He showed that he can get yards last year. And then Andrew Luck, the riskiest pick of them all, coming back. He hasn't played since 2016. Now coming back and trying to play a full season. Um, he looked okay over the course of the preseason so far, but he hasn't really had to throw down the field much, and that's going to be a pressing concern for them with his shoulder, uh, which was the issue, I believe. Um, and so uh, I don't know if Andrew Luck's going to be able to make many of the big plays, but he if he can consistently get yards and, and, and throw well in the red zone. Um, fantasy owners are going to have no issues at all uh, with him. Let's move over to KILC, Kilk. Uh, Cam Newton, Ezekiel Elliott, LaShawn McCoy, A.J. Green, Marvin Jones Jr., David Njoku, Carlos Hyde, Saints D, and Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg. Um, I'm surprised A.J. Green's stock fell this far. I mean, I guess people are just tired of him not exactly producing up to the hype. Um, and, and this year he got drafted, I think, in our league, maybe like the fifth round or something, um, which is pretty remarkable for a guy who had the reputation he had uh, a few years ago and even like maybe last year. Um, also, Ezekiel Elliott, one of the solid running backs on the board, one of one of should be top five pick in any league. Also, LaShawn McCoy, uh, who's questionable right now for week one, um, but he's also a consistent back who, who's going to get you yards every single week. All right, let's head over to Yi, Kirk Cousins, Todd Gurley, Derek Henry, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Zach Ertz, Corey Davis, Eagles D, and Chris Boswell. I'm not necessarily sure about the starting wide receiver tandem. I mean, you don't necessarily, these guys aren't necessarily guys that are uh, going to get you points every single week. I mean, they can be a little bit hit or miss. I mean, Devontae Adams had a pretty good year uh, last year, I believe. Um, but Juju Smith-Schuster can also be a little hit or miss with Antonio Brown as the wide receiver one. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. Um, other than that, it was a pretty solid team. Uh, I like Corey Davis as, as a pick. He was highly hyped coming out of Western Michigan, had a horrible year last year. Um, but I think he can really come back with his talent and speed um, with, in Tennessee. All right, we're moving through these pretty quickly. Let's go to uh, JGD. We've got Deshaun Watson, Dalvin Cook, Jordan Howard, Antonio Brown, 
Josh Gordon, Trey Burton, Royce Freeman, Vikings D, and Robbie Gold. Now, I know this fantasy owner is very excited about Josh Gordon, and I'm excited too, not necessarily uh, knowing what he'll do, but finding out what he'll do. Um, He hasn't really shown up on the field the last few years. Um, Good on him getting rehab, um, really getting his life back together a little to a certain extent, trying to get clean. Um, And I think if he... If he fits in with the system and Cleveland ends up being a good run team, adding Carlos Hyde in the backfield, uh, they could become a good passing team as well. Although you have to take into account he won't be the wide receiver one there. Um, Let's see, what else about this? Royce Freeman, underrated running back. I I like that pick. Robbie Gold, the Niners kicker, should get plenty of opportunities this year Um, with with the team they've got now with Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. Uh, Jordan Howard is also a solid running back. I'm not sure if he's an RB1. He's kind of an RB2 uh, at the moment. Uh, So that's a solid team. Let's go to McKay. Aaron Rodgers, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, Kyle Rudolph, Golden Tate, Rams defense, and Jake Elliott. Speaking of which, shout out to Aaron Rodgers, who's getting paid a lot of money right now. $134 million, $100 plus million uh, guaranteed. Top of this roster is strong. You got Aaron Rodgers, Le'Veon Bell, ta- arguably top two uh, at their position uh, in the league, and they're going to get you consistent points. Uh, the wide receiver core is a lot of potential to go off. Keenan Allen uh, and Brandon Cooks, both in L.A. actually, Keenan Allen with the Chargers uh, and Brandon Cooks now with the Rams. Uh, then you have Golden Tate as a third wideout. He can be inconsistent, but uh, he can also put up points uh, in bunches. Uh, so that's going to be a nice flex pick. All right, now, Tank, Matthew Stafford, Alvin Kamara, J.J., DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Delaney Walker, Jarvis Landry, Chargers defense, and Matt Prater. I'm not sure if Alvin Kamara is going to live up to the hype. I mean, after the season he had last year, putting up gigantic numbers uh, and getting offensive rookie uh, of the year, I I feel like he might have a little bit of of a regression to the mean. I'm uh, not quite sure if he's going to be able to put up the same production as last year, but he still should be a solid RB1, RB2, uh, and someone that you should try to draft if you can, maybe in the second round or, or the third round if he's available, but he shouldn't drop that far. Uh, Mike Evans, after having a mediocre year uh, last year, might not necessarily get you points every single week, but his physical stature is going to get you touchdowns some weeks. Um, and he has a decent pickup for that. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins should have a good year in Houston with Deshaun Watson coming back and really helping his fantasy stock um, because Deshaun Watson is a playmaker, and he's going to be able to make some plays for DeAndre. We've got two more left with GWB right now. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Miller, T.Y. Hilton, Alan Robinson, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Hogan, Patriots D, Steven Goskowski. Obviously, this guy's a big Patriots fan. Um, and he's going to have some trouble come week 11, which is the Patriots buy. Um, but overall, I mean, there are worse players you can get. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is maybe not an RB1, but he's a solid back that has a lot of upside uh, in the system that they're in. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, kind of a shaky wideout, uh, is not always consistent. I mean, if you look at his stat line last year, 3, 4, 21, 3, 17, 1, 2, 1, 29, 2, 1, 11, 2, 4, 10, 1. So, I mean... He's not going to consistently um, get you points, but he's got upside as well. Um, Gronk is always a solid pick 
uh, the best tight end in the league, not even close. The only real major concern for him is injuries. And with that, we move to our last team. Uh, KMD, got Brady, David Johnson, Alex Collins, Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs, Evan Ingram, Robert Woods, Jaguars D, and Will Lutz. Jaguars D, um, always a solid defense. Um, they're never, they're, they've become the preeminent defense uh, in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady, arguably second, third best quarterback in the league. Um, and, and he's going to get you points every week. He's in that top tier of quarterback. When you're drafting, you don't want to pick a uh, quarterback too early, but Tom Brady's one of those you might get in like the fourth, fifth round. Uh, David Johnson, hoping he doesn't get an injury this year um, and can actually perform, uh, should be a top five running back. Uh, so this is also, all these teams are pretty solid. I mean, there aren't too many. Um, I like my bench personally. Uh, with guys like, if my computer will load, um, with guys like Elshon Jeffrey and Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Spencer Ware, who is backing up to Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, I'm excited about this fantasy football season. Uh, We've got uh, stakes on it this year, which is a lot of fun, as always. Um, And I hope you could have gained a little bit from my muttering uh, over the last 10 minutes or so. Alright, no quick take today because my internet is slow as heck and I'm kind of sick. So thank you so much for listening to The Wong Takes. Uh, bit.ly slash The Wong Takes. You can view full archives of the show, send me questions, comments, concerns directly from there. Patreon.com slash The Wong Takes. The Wong Takes at gmail.com for direct email. Uh, rate the podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Hit that subscribe button. Get uh, podcast episodes fresh in your feed. Uh, leave voicemails. Uh, send questions to thewongtakes at gmail.com. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you hopefully not sick next week.